Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1,442. In order to be successful, especially in the automobile industry, is you really just have to live the life. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. What's the worst thing for your car's interior? No, it's not that milkshake the kids spilled in the back seat. It's the sun. Harmful UV rays cook your automobile's interior hour after hour when it's parked outside, even on a cloudy day. What's the solution? Covercraft sunscreens. They protect your dash, seats, and interior finishes from those damaging UV rays while keeping the interior temperature tolerable, even on the hottest summer days. No more painfully sizzling seats and steering wheels for you. They unfold quickly and easily install, stay where you put them, and are custom pattern for an exact fit. The foam core acts as a cooling insulator, and you can get yours in different colors and finishes. And they even fold up easily and store under your seat or on the floor. I've used Covercraft sunscreens for years, and they are a fast and easy solution that protect my beloved cars when they're not in the garage. Learn more and order yours at Covercraft.com. Want to protect your entire vehicle? Get a car cover from Covercraft. They have those too. That's Covercraft.com. And tell them Mark sent you. My favorite collector car magazine is Keith Martin's Sports Car Market. I've been a subscriber for decades. Sports Car Market is the Wall Street Journal for the enthusiast and the collector. It's your monthly must-read whether you dream of owning a collector car have two cars or 200. Sports Car Market has been around for 31 years and it's filled with valuable articles, intelligent write-ups, and the latest auction sales. Go to sportscarmarket.com and subscribe today. Plus, you'll get the exclusive SEM guide to restoration shops included for free. At checkout, use the code CARSYA and receive a 50% discount on your digital subscription. It's an exclusive offer from me here at Cars Yeah. I'm Mark Green, and I love Sports Car Market Magazine. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest calling in from Pasadena, California, Preeth Kumar. Hey, Preeth, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Absolutely. Harnesses are on. Oh, good. I Hopefully, we won't need those. Preeth Kumar shares his passion for automobiles by writing and marketing a digital magazine titled It's Preeth Kumar on Instagram. He grew up in New Jersey in a family where the car culture was central to their lives. He started autocrossing in his E46 M3, a car I'm very fond of, my listeners know, and his need for speed grew. He sold Porsches in Manhattan at Manhattan Motor Cars in New York City and Rusnik Porsche in Westlake after moving out west to Pasadena, California, where he embraces the SoCal car culture with very open arms. He and past Cars Yacht guest Vanita Kilnani, you'll remember her from two days ago, have fun with a humor site on Instagram titled The Indian Aunties. You've got to check this out. It's hilarious. He, maybe even he'll, uh, he'll talk a little bit like an auntie today. We'll see. He's a contributing writer for LA Dreams Magazine and active in a multitude of automotive track events and car clubs. So, Preeth, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment, share a little bit more about your life and your passion for automobiles. 
Absolutely. I think it all started when I was growing up. My dad always had fun cars. And um, right after school, right after college, I got that E46 M3, started autocrossing. That became a slippery slope into track days. Then I became a certified instructor with PCA. I used to run with the, the guys out in Schattenbaum, which is a South Jersey region. And I was doing 20 to 30 days a summer because out east, we don't have the uh, luxury of tracking in the uh, winter. I met some of the best friends of my life and learned how to work on cars and learned about cars. And that really just developed into I needing to have cars around me in, in every aspect of my life. Well, it's cool. And coming out to Southern California, I grew up down there. And it is car culture down there. And I, I always am a little bit jealous with all my Facebook friends and Instagram friends because I see all these events happening down in the Southern California region. Like, oh, I want to be down there. I want to go do this. And we get some rain up here in the Northwest in the winter. So it kind of curtails a little bit of driving. Uh, not like the East Coast, of course, with snow, but it sounds like you've uh, definitely embraced the Southern California lifestyle. We're going to learn a lot more about you as we continue on this journey we call your life. But first, I want to ask you for a success quote or a mantra, some kind of saying that has great meaning for you. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires smoking here on Cars, yeah? So, Preeth, grab the wheel. The inspirational quote would happen to be from uh, the person that got me into selling cars. His name is Mark Farage. Um, he was the general manager of my store. And pretty much he just told me that in order to be successful, especially in the automobile industry, is you really just have to live the life. And by that, I mean, you have to ingrain yourself in everything that you need to know about whatever it is that you're dealing with. So in my, for me, it was selling and selling Porsche. So I had to learn everything about Porsche. And it was easier for me because I already had a passion for Porsche. But just to be on top of every aspect of your product knowledge. Just be ready to go, ready to answer any question. And it doesn't stop when the doors close at night. You're going to have to, when you go out to a restaurant, if you see someone, you're a representative of whatever it is that you're selling or whatever your business is. So you have to live that life and you always have to adhere to, you You pretty much have to, You're you're the face of that business. So you always have to represent it in the best light possible. And, you know, you call it out when it's wrong, but you always, you know, you say it's, it, it, you don't, you never really just badmouth it, but you always talk about how it can be improved and where you see the improvement can come from. So sure. Yeah. Well, salespeople now in the Porsche industry are called ambassadors, right? They're, they're not salespeople anymore. They're Am I using the term right with ambassadors? Yeah, Porsche really does a phenomenal job because when you are a Porsche sales consultant, that's what you would be when you start out. The The dealership, as well as Porsche Cars North America, have this program called the Global Ambassador Training. So essentially, you can be a, a Porsche certified global brand ambassador for sales or service, as well as parts. It's a week-long course, and you learn the history of Porsche. You learn what it stands for, how the DNA is in every single one of its cars, and what it really stands for, and you become an ambassador. You know, the certification lasts for three years, but I think that I became certified, and then I became recertified. The week-long course is fantastic. You learn so much, and you really you take pride 
there's a weird sense of pride that one gets after taking that course. And I think it's, it's deserved because it is a phenomenal brand and they do a fantastic job in training their ambassadors. So yes, it is called a, the official title would be a certified Porsche brand ambassador. But now they added global because it allows you to work at any dealership or as they call it, Porsche Experience Center um, in the entire on the entire planet. So, nice. yeah. Very cool. Well, my longtime listeners remember way back, my guest number eight was a gentleman named Russell Flurry, And he started a company, you probably heard of them, called Road Scholars, which are, is now owned by the Ingrams. Uh, Cam and uh, his father, uh, Robert Ingram, they've both been guests on the show. And Russell goes around and teaches those. He teaches high-end dealership, high-end car marks, salespeople how to sell differently. And the public is so educated now. They know so much, and especially a Porsche, prospective Porsche customer who's going to come in knows so much. You've got to be on your game because they, they they know so many things. You know, it's incredible. And Russell talks about how he goes and teaches how to sell differently. So let me ask you this before I jump into the next question. When you're selling a Porsche automobile, there's a different mindset than, let's say, we go into a Ford or Chevy dealership. And I know they've upped their game, too. They're coming up to a different level. But it's a whole other experience. People don't have to buy Porsches. They're buying it because they're buying a dream. So you treat them in a different way, right? Absolutely. And the funny anecdote is that Russell Fleury is the man that trained me when I got my brand ambassador training. So he he trained me. I first met him at Panamera training in uh, Utah, and then he actually trained me in Atlanta. So Russell and I are Facebook friends, and he is a great man. So I'm very happy to be on the same program that he was on as well. Yeah, regarding the sales of the Porsche, I believe, personally believe that when you are a Porsche, you know, when you dream of owning a Porsche, you deserve to be treated like no other. I, I think that you should be, it, it's a complete white glove experience. This, Like you said, it's this is not a necessity. This is a want. This is a dream. And it should be treated that way. You're not a number when you walk in that door. You are a person. And every wish that you want should be, it should be entertained. Just let's put it that way. If the, if the factory says, no, it can't be done, then we will relay that information. But we have to ask as ambassadors, we have to relay that message from the client to the factory. And we are the liaisons for that. So it's when I was selling Porsches, it was my main mission to just take you on this journey. And I call, I never called it just like a transaction. It really was a, it was an experience. I called it a Porsche experience because you can go to many places and you can get different types of, of experiences, but the Porsche experience should be the zenith of, of purchasing because it's not a transaction. I feel like it's an investment because not only are you getting an automobile, but you're also getting a lifestyle. You're getting a culture. You're getting history. You're getting heritage. You're getting racing heritage. And every little detail that's in a Porsche, they just don't make things just to make them. Everything is thought of. Like the volume knob on a 991 is like it's ridged. And that was to elicit emotions of what it's like to be an airplane pilot. 
like little things like that. And then you obviously know, you know, why our ignition is on the left-hand side. So when we jumped in at Le Mans, we could, we could turn the car on and shift into gear at the same time so we can take, get off the line faster. So when you have to explain that to a client, you have to be on top of your game. You have to know everything. And you, you just, you know, you never want to be pretentious, but you always have to know that you're representing something special and you should be extremely ecstatic to bring in someone new to that family. Yeah, it is an experience. And of course, we know the the Porsche Experience Center in Los Angeles that you guys have down there. I've not been to that, but I have been to the Atlanta Experience Center. Um, Ray Schaefer, who is part of that operation there, invited me to come visit. I was back there uh, giving a keynote speech uh, for APR, who builds high-end performance products for Volkswagen, BMW, and so forth. And I got to spend a day at the Atlanta Experience Center. And it's just the whole thing about it. But of course, I'm a Porsche fanatic. So, you know, I'm kind of jaded when it comes to all this. But I've had plenty of Porsche fanatics on the show. So we're, we're in good company. Uh, and along with uh, BMW, even when you go into BMW dealerships these days, they have specialist uh, technology experts who come in and can talk to you about just that, all the technology, because cars have gotten so sophisticated. Well, let's talk about your passion for cars. Where did this come from? What was that pivotal moment in your life when you knew that you were going to be a car guy? Um, I think it had to, there's a, there's a lot of moments. I, I, you know, there's a lot of moments. I feel like it could have been when my father would, uh, (laughs) would, we would just drive around the, the neighborhood and he would put me on his lap and I was able to steer, which is Probably highly illegal, but I feel like <laughs> oh, the, yeah. sta- the statute of limitations has, has worn passed. Yep. Yeah, so it could have been that, but I, I really feel like that my neighbor, his name was Dr. Buffalini. He had a 308 Ferrari. He used to turn that thing on and it, was, it just sounded fantastic. And from that moment, I remember my parents bought him like a car book for his 50th birthday i think and we delivered it we delivered the book to him at the party and i remember my i loved that book so much my parents bought me the same book i remember just going through every single page and being like oh i would get this car i would get that car i remember porsche's 928 was there and you know it had the pop-up headlights that was a very cool thing at the time that's probably what set me on the path for being like there's something special about that car, about cars in general. Yeah. Well, nice way to start with a 308. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure. That was the neighbor. And I feel like my sister still tells me that she used to, the dad, so they, he had twins and the father would take the twins on rides on like Sundays. And I guess my sister got to go as well. So it was, uh, it was a nice, nice community there that, yeah. uh, so that was very cool. Very nice. Love it. Well, let's talk a little bit about a challenge or maybe even a failure that you faced along the way. Take us to that time. Walk us through the situation. But what I'm most interested in here it was the lesson from that and how that lesson helped you move forward in a positive way after the experience that maybe wasn't so positive. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think the biggest challenge thing that I have ever faced in my life was the passing of my mother in 2012. So I was 28 when that happened. And like most 20 somethings, I was floating through life, just going through the motions. And when I was going through the motions, I was day trading. So it was what it was. And it was nice to 
work remote and I, I day traded for myself, right? So I was at home all the time. And then shortly thereafter, you know, I did well um, for myself. And once she passed, I realized that I was just going through the motions. And when someone passes away, you can obviously grieve in various fashions. And I think the, the fashion that I grieved in was I just felt like I was going through motions. I felt like I was trying to make the pain go away by just going through these motions. And then because of that, I remember she passed away because of a heart attack. And I was like, you know what? I really just need to change everything about my life. So that's when I started running. That's when I started eating healthier. That's when I contacted my friend, Mark Farage, and was like, hey, do you have a sales position open at a Porsche store? And because of that, that passing, 13 months after that, I got a position at the Porsche store. And ever since then, I've learned about myself and I've learned how to become successful. I've, I've dealt with failures, you know, personal as well as business. But I feel like that moment, that passing mm -hmm. made me into a man. Well, my condolences for losing yes. your mother, especially at such a young age. That's not the way you want it to happen. But you know, this is off the subject of cars, but it's fascinating to me in the sense that something major in your life like that shook you in some way. Was it because of realizing mortality? And you said, okay, this life isn't forever. I need to get on and do what I'm passionate about and not just, as you say, go through the motions of the day. Was that what happened to you, do you think, because of that mortality issue kind of smacking you right in the face? Well, it's funny. So if you bringing it back to cars, I remember like three weeks after my mother passed, I went to Watkins Glen and I was, I had a track event and I remember turn two going up the S's. I remember my friend saying like, you could do that. So I had an E46 M3. It was on Motons. It was on NT01s at the time. So it wasn't, it wasn't Hoosiers or anything. And I remember him saying, you can take that corner at like, you can take turn two at like, 95 or 100 or something like that and i remember saying i don't really care if i die die i'm just gonna go for it right so i went for it i made it and i i put a pretty fast lap down i think it was that life is i, I never thought that i i when like something like that happens you don't think that it could happen to you so i guess it was a finality and i think i think that i also was going through the motions before and I still feel sometimes like I'm going through the motions, but I think it was a reality check in the sense that you need to get your life straightened out. Because as an Indian person growing up in America, I'm a first generation Indian, there is a lot of pressure to succeed. There's a lot of pressure to do stuff. I lucked out because I had three older sisters and I was born on my parents' anniversary. So I'm kind of like a spoiled person. But I got lucky with that. So there wasn't too much pressure on me. But even so, I'm also from New Jersey. I'm very neurotic. And there is that guilt that I have within me that I need to, I need to make someone happy. So when I was unable to, in my eyes, make her happy, even though I did make her happy when she was alive, I realized to myself, I need to make her happy now that she has passed because this is what she would have wanted. So that's yeah. kind of... Yeah, that's to respect dead. her. Yes, yeah. exactly. And I know in the Indian culture, because my, my son is engaged to a, uh, a woman from Mumbai, India, and we've met her parents, and 
talked to her extensively and learning about more things about the Indian culture. Family is incredibly important and tight. And not that it isn't in other cultures, but in India, it seems to be even more important and tight. In fact, even her parents were visiting us this summer talking about how traditionally the male in the family stays home and lives with the parents. Yes. That's that's the way it's done. And I'm like, what? And, you know, I mean, it's so foreign compared to, to here. Like, I live with my mom. <laughs> uh, wow. Okay. Well, that's interesting. Uh, but that's part of that culture and how it works. So I think it's great. I appreciate you taking us to a, a sensitive time, but it's an interesting study on realizing life is fragile. And, and, and this year, I've lost five of my past guests who've been on this show. And I feel like everyone who comes on the show is my friend. After I've talked with them, I feel a relationship, a bond with them. Now, maybe they don't feel that with me, but I feel about them that way. And having lost five people this year, two of them young people, uh, Nicole McGuire, who's in her 40s, uh, passed away unexpectedly, and Jesse Combs, uh, who I believe is in her yeah, 30s, who recently. died yeah, just recently setting a land speed record. Uh, the other guests uh, were a little older, but still unexpected losses. And so you start to go, you know what? I need to do things that are important for me and for others, because this life we have is fragile, and it's not something you should waste. You shouldn't live going through the motion. So I'm glad that you discovered that. Very difficult way to discover it, of course, but I'm glad that you did. Now, let's talk about your first really special vehicle, the first car you got in your life that had great meaning for you, and maybe share a memory you have about that ride. Wow. I feel like if I tell you the story, there's going to be judgment, but I don't really care. I'll tell you it. Well, we don't judge here. I was, how do I put this? I was a pretty good negotiator growing up, right? So, Well, you were the spoiled son. That's right. (laughs) I I was a pretty good negotiator as well. So I made a deal with my father, who was very successful. I made a deal with my father and I said, Whatever I get on my SAT is how much money you can spend on a car for me per month on a lease, right? right. I don't know what he thought I was going to get, but I got a 1420. And I could get a lot of cars in the early 2000s with a 1420, 1420. Yeah. There's a lot of cars. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) So I, I was like, I would like to have a Porsche. So I wanted a Porsche. I wanted a 911, right? And he was like, you can't have a 911. You're too young for a 911. But what I will do is I will lease a 911 for myself and you can drive it whenever you'd like to. I'm not going to drive it because my father is like, he's a practical gentleman. So he's more about like, you know, I just need a car that's going to get me from, from home to the hospital and back. I just need it to be reliable. So the man is not too crazy about cars. He was at one point, but when he got older, he he stopped, yeah, right? Life changes, yeah. Yeah, so he he has like a Mercedes C-Class right now, which is a great car, but he just wants something subtle, reliable, and easy to deal with, right? So he was like, okay, I'll lease the car. So we went to a, we went to Paul Miller Porsche in Parsippany, New Jersey, and we leased a C4, a 996 Carrera 4. It was a great car. I think the best memory I had with that car is I had no idea what I was doing with that type of car, but I learned how to drive manual on that car. I learned how to like do certain things with the car, right? The best experience that I had with that car is we joined the PCA together 
And when we joined the PCA together, we would get this in New Jersey, Northern New Jersey chapter, they sent this pamphlet out and there was a car control clinic. And I was so excited to go there because I wanted to see what the car felt like on like, you know, just some type of driving obstacle course. So I remember driving to, at the time it was Giant Stadium, but now it's MetLife Stadium. I remember going there. I remember driving around. I remember activating the ABS. I, I remember doing slalom runs with that car. I remember hearing the tire squeal. So that was my best experience with my first car. Yeah. No kidding. Lucky in my best Napoleon Dynamite voice. Yeah, right? Seriously. Uh, yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Well, how about seller's remorse? Is there a car you've let go that you wish you'd kept? Um, I think it's the E46 that I had. I had an O3 and a half E46 M3. I bought that car after I got out of college and I learned how to autocross with that, track with that, became an instructor with that. The problem is, the problem that I have with my life is I love to ruin cars. <laughs> and by ruin cars, <laughs> I mean, I'm such a competitive person that if I take the car out, I'll modify it to the point where I, I, I ruin the car. So with that E46, I pretty much, all the bushings became spherical. I had a roll bar in the car, Kirk roller bar, which is great. I had race seats. They were fantastic, but I made the car too stiff. And I started when I started selling Porsches, I'd never had enough time to track the thing anymore. So I was just like, this is like a $30,000 paperweight that's in my garage and I need to get rid of it. And I got rid of that car. But I've had a lot of cars that I feel like. And that's one of them. I can give you another good one, but the, I, I I don't know if you're interested in the other one. Well, the E46 is special to me, so we'll leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What is you excited and fired up right now about what you're doing in your life and with cars? I think moving here, you know, when in, in the introduction, you, you spoke about the Southern Californian car culture, and I just never realized it was like this, man. Like, Every weekend, there's like seven things to do. And it sometimes becomes overwhelming. I mean, I don't know if you spoke to Vanita about this, but getting involved with the, the PCA San Gabriel Valley here, we're friends with Jack and Jose, who are, who are the big leaders there. Jose is the president. But they literally have like four things to do every weekend. Oh, and yeah. it's Incredible. very exciting. And it helps, it helps me with my material for my magazine that I, that I work on all the time. So that is really getting me excited because, first of all, I never need to deal with the fall or snow here. So it's just every weekend, there's new material to write about or new material to talk about. So that's really been getting me excited. Cool. Well, it sounds like you're having a lot of fun. Well, up next is what I call the last lap. Before we put the pedal to the metal, though, let's say thank you to today's Cars yeah sponsors. When you want proven performance, there's one brand that's been around since 1938. That's Edelbrock, building the finest American-made performance products for the street and track. Edelbrock's products are designed and dyno-proven to deliver maximum results. Edelbrock has thousands of made-in-the-USA performance products for all makes and models. From their new AVS2 carburetor and innovative ProFlow 4 EFI for your muscle car or truck. To superchargers for your daily driver and more, visit edelbrock.com to check out the latest products for your ride and when you're ready to check out enter cars yeah in the coupon code and get 10 percent off your order that's edelbrock automotive performance since 1938 
You take care of your cars, but who takes care of your investments? Tune-ups aren't just for engines. Updating your financial plan is important, too. Your GPS may take you from A to B, but it won't help you on the road to financial freedom. For that, you need a good co-pilot and a very trusted advisor. Chris Kimball, CFP, is just the man for the job. He'll guide you down that road without driving you crazy. For over 25 years, Chris has helped people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. With a master's degree in financial services, he is eminently qualified, and he's a car guy too. Learn more at chrisvkimball.com or call 866-ON-A-PLAN. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member FINRA SIPC. CK Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at com or connect with me through the Cars yeah website at com. All right, Preeth, we're back. And I have a bit of an introspective question for you. I'm going to kind of get in your head a little bit here. If you woke up tomorrow and you were a car, manifested as a car, not what you want to be, but how you perceive yourself as a car, what would you be and why? I'm a Lotus Exes S. Oh. From like 2006. Okay. Well, you, you knew that right off the top of your head. What What is it about that car? I think I kind of get it with your track and driving and everything, but why are you a Lotus? So first of all, I'm I'm a relatively larger person. Not I'm like six one, but like for 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 whatever reason, I I feel like I'm a bigger person, and I don't understand why people call me big guy, but they do, <laughs> right? So they call yeah. me big guy. So that car, for whatever reason, like, I guess it's the irony that it's a small car, but I would call it a big guy. I feel like that's that describes me. The other thing about that Exige S is that supercharged car, you wouldn't expect it to be as capable as it is. So I kind of, I, I personify myself with that, I guess, manifest myself with that rather. So that that's kind of why I would put myself as that. Plus, it has no power steering, so and it's a manual transmission. So it's a little bit old school, which that's that's me. I, f- I consider myself to be an old soul in a new body, and that's what okay. I think. The I think Lotus always speaks about that. And that's why Lotus is one of my favorite car brands of all time. That makes sense. Yeah, it goes back to the old Colin Chapman concept of lightweight, yes. quick, nimble, less is more. Yeah, exactly. Well, we're entering the last lap. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of that Lotus. Lotus. <laughs> Let's say that again. <laughs> yeah. That Lotus throttle. Jeez. Yeah. Ah, it must be late tonight. I know we're, we're talking in the evening here, so I appreciate that. You probably had a busy day like me. Okay. You ready to go? Absolutely, sir. All right. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Keep the shiny side up. <laughs> yeah. Being a track guy. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. I'll tell you a really quick story that'll make you kind of smile or cringe. My very first day with the BMW Club track day, where I went out and you go out there as a, a rookie, and there was a whole bunch of us, and we were learning how to do track days to get certified. And at the end of the day, everybody had kept their nose clean and done well, and the instructors took us all out in their cars. My instructor was the lead guy. He had a uh, M3 like I did, and so we went out and drove the course. Well, he got halfway through the track, Pacific Raceway. 
He took a corner wrong, spun the car around, went off the track, and flipped it upside down with oof. me in it. Yeah. Oof, oof. Oof is right, yeah. And uh, I just remember hanging there in the harness. He had a four-point harness in the car, and uh, that's when I learned why you keep your visor down when you're on a track, because the, the side mirror, when we rolled, shattered the passenger window, and glass went into my face. I had my visor up, and I uh, got some glass in my mouth and cut my mouth, but... uh yeah, keep the shiny side up. It's no fun to be upside down in a car at all. Fortunately, that's the only time I've ever been upside down in a car. I don't ever want to do that again. How about a personal habit of yours you believe has contributed to your many successes? I am always late, and I know that Vanita dislikes <laughs> that, but I think that makes me an optimist because I love cleaning. So when I wake up in the morning before I go to work, I make sure my bed is like welcoming and made up when I come home. And I make sure there's no dishes when I leave because there's really nothing like coming to a home with a cute puppy that's coming in at you, a wonderfully made bed and an empty sink. So that's, those are, those are, that, I feel like that makes me happy and has given me success in my life. And you forgot the most important thing, a beautiful fiance. That is true. That is true. That's I threw that true. in just to cover our basis here. Thank you. She's probably listening right now. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. Well, I'm just giving you a couple of tips. I've been married for 35 years, so I think I figured it out. So let so, me repeat uh, that. She, a beautiful <laughs> fiance, a wonderful dog, a made bed, and an empty sink. And that is a success to life. And, yeah. And putting the fiance first is always the way to do it. That is Absolutely. correct. <laughs> there you go, Vanita. He's safe. He's a good guy. Don't hold anything against him. How about a resource? Is there one that you'd like to share with our listeners you really enjoy? A resource in terms of what, sir? Could be a website that you go to, a blog you use, could be a supplier, could be an app, even could be a person in your life. If, if it's going to be a resource, I think it would be my close friends that I, we have, we still have this, the first couple of guys that I, that I met and worked with and uh, at a Porsche store. I think yeah. they're my great resource. You know, they give it to me straight. I still yeah. talk to them to this day. So nice. those guys are, are my number ones. Good people. Now, if I could arrange for you to sit down and have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would it be? Ayrton Senna, of course. Ah, uh, yeah. Ah, see, you and Vanita get along really well. I told her when she was on the show that my business card, I'm a huge fan of Senna. On the back of my business card, there's an Ayrton Senna quote, and it is this, the past is just data, I only see the future, Yeah, which is a wonderful thing for me personally. It helps me and has helped me over time move through difficult times to just kind of use that as a reference and going, okay, what did that teach me? Why did I do that wrong? You could use it on the track. You could use it in life, in business, with friends, with not so much friends. Uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, I like Ayrton Senna. He's an amazing person. How about a book? Is there a book you've read that you think our listeners would enjoy reading as well? Um, what is it? It's the Skip Barber book, The Art of Going Fast, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. There's uh, that one. And then there's another book that I have here, a very old Italian racing book. It's uh, The Technique of Motor Racing by Piero Taruffi. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know that book. Yeah. Yeah, it's got the forward by Fangio. So it's yeah. a good one. And the other yeah. one is Going Faster, Mastering the Art of Race Driving, uh, the Skip Barber Racing School. Those are two good automotive books. And another very good book that I read was um, Cut to the Chase. 
it's a business sales book, not even sales. It, it might be, it's a business oriented book about how sometimes we just waste time just getting, you know, beating around the bush, so to speak. And life is a lot easier if you literally just cut to the chase. Yeah, that's by uh, Linda Venice, I believe. I believe so. I know, I don't have it. I actually borrowed it from a library. Uh, I'll double check that, make sure we get that right. But I'll make sure I put links to all these books on Priest's show notes page so you can click on those and go add those to your library. Uh, of course, in Skip Barber, I've had him as a guest on this show. I've raced at his track, tracks around the country and uh, partake in his racing school. So great things that he did back in the day. All right, Preet, we are up to the checkered flag. And this last question can be a bit of a doozy. Today, I'm going to buy you any cool collector car. doesn't matter what it is. I'm going to buy it for you and park it in your garage. But there are some rules to my game since I'm doing the buy-in here today. One is you can't sell it to buy a bunch of other cars with. So that little trick's off the table. You have to drive it. No garage queens allowed. But I don't think you believe in garage queens. So that's a good thing. And it's the only cool collector car that you can own. So you need to choose very carefully. Um, Probably a 73 RS. Uh, the Holy Grail. <laughs> yeah, probably a 73 RS, but I also like a 964 Turbo 3.6, just because I feel like that's that car was the, the car in the movie Bad Boys, and it was Bruckheimer's car, like the one with the X88 package, I think, on it. There's like 107 of them in the world, I think, or eight, sorry, 83 of them in the world. Pretty so, rare car, yeah. Yeah, those two. That's it's yeah. a port. I'm a Porsche person, unfortunately. I wanted to say an E30 M3 like Roberto or Ravaglia special. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I can't. I can't buy you two Porsches because if I do, I'm gonna have to go back and buy another car for the past 1,441 <laughs> people, including your lovely fiance, because she had a very unique. I'm not gonna say odd. Very unique answer to this question that kind of surprised me. It had to do with a Rolls Royce. Wow. Uh, which kind of blew me away. I had no idea that was coming, but that's what's coming in your future. So you better save your <laughs> pennies. Uh, but let's narrow this down. So, of course, the 73 Career RS is the Holy Grail. Uh, that or the Turbo? Which one do you really want if you could only pick one today? You know what? I think I'll, I'll change my, uh, I know I'll go with the, um, I read the, I read the flow. I read the I read the flow and I I, I was set on the the nine six four and then now when the pressure came I want that car. Let's just give me like two seconds. Give me like oh. five seconds here. Oh, I'll think you, of we're it. gonna go somewhere else now. No, yeah, I was I I feel like knowing myself, I want a homologation special, Ooh. right? I okay. need something like that. Yeah, but. I know that if I go Italian, there's very few to go from. And then I would have to go like maybe like Alfa Romeo, like 16V or something like that. Well, why don't you just say 917? I don't want to do that because that would just be, <laughs> then it, it would just be, I, I, could, I probably couldn't drive that on a daily basis. It just. Well, no, nah, might be. Well, you could, but eh, might be a little tough in uh, Los Angeles traffic. Yeah. You know what? I'll stick with the. Uh, I'm going to go with the 964 Turbo okay. 3.6 because the 964 is my favorite generation. So yeah. okay. I like, I'll go with the, the Turbo 3.6. Okay. Well, nice choice. I had a, a 964 for a while, Kura 2, that was a daily driver. Great oh, car. I love that car. Love it. Yeah, it was really cool. I had the, uh, uh, the um, 
RS America mirrors and cup wheels, and uh, it was special ordered by the first owner, who was a son of a wealthy Ferrari dealership uh, kid who ordered it with every option. I've never seen so many option codes on that white piece of paper under the front hood. Uh, it was it was insane. I when I went to look at that car, and the, the dealership didn't know what they had, so I stole it. Um, but I've never seen that many options on a car. It was incredible. It was a great car. My good friend Ed Dawes bought that from me. I should have never sold it to him. Should have, but uh, oh well. Preeth, you've taken me on a great ride today. This has been fun. I want to thank you for sharing your journey. Uh, could you offer us a little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you rip off into that California sunset in that 964 3.6? Never just go through the motions. You don't need to do that. Just find your passion in life. Chase it. If you believe that it will happen, it will happen. Just put it out in the universe. I've been taught that by a very wise woman that I live with, but just put it in the universe <laughs> and uh, take care of uh, your, take care of it, it'll take care of you if you just put it out there. Yeah. And if, for you listeners that missed my talk with uh, with uh, his significant other, his fiance, uh, Vanita, go back just two days ago, her show's up there. Uh, really, man, you got your hands full. She is one spirited woman. I, I don't know how you ever keep her down. And I mean that in a kind way because she's so much energy. I mean, she just keep you going and going and going. So it was a really fun talk with her. It's great. What's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and what you're doing? Um, I guess Instagram would probably be the best way. And my handle is it's Preet Kumar, I-T-S-P-R-E-E-T-H-K-U-M-A-R. There you go. Absolutely. And uh, also, we got to mention... The Indian Aunties mm-hmm. There's a new uh, Instagram page that you guys have. I'm a follower now. Uh, I'm going to put a link to that up there. The Indian Aunties. It is hilarious. Preet and, and uh, his fiance, they, they do some silly stuff. Um, I think it's one of those things you're either going to crack up or go, what the heck's going on here? But it's pretty funny what you guys are doing. And I forwarded that with my son's fiance. I'm waiting to hear back from her uh, to see what her response is to that. See, the the good thing is that, like, so just so a preface for for the listeners. So an Indian auntie is pretty much just anyone that is, you know, married and has a child or has reached a certain age and may not be married, right? So the whole point is once an Indian woman becomes an auntie, they pretty much just don't care about social norms or being polite. They just say what they want and they do what they want. So growing okay. up, okay. it's just, it's amazing the amount of Indian aunties that we run into. And now that you've been blessed with uh, your future daughter-in-law yes, and her family, you will run into many Indian aunties and you can just keep it in the back of your mind and like... Okay. You'll hear the stories of, you'll be like, wow, she really said that? Like, if you put on weight, (laughs) they're going to tell you, wow, you put on weight. Or if they don't like you, they'll tell you, I don't like you. So you have to appreciate it from, appreciate them for their honesty. And my Indian auntie character is pretty much a combination of my mother extremely angry at my sisters and I. (laughs) And, um, pretty much what my sisters probably do now. So that's that's okay. who my Indian auntie is based on. All right. Well, I may need to call you and Vanita for a little guidance here as my life moves forward. Uh, as you say, blessed with a, a new daughter-in-law from India. And uh, hopefully next year we'll be going to India for a wedding. And I hear those can be quite extensive. So uh, that'll be a new experience for me too. And I'm sure I'll meet some Indian aunties while I'm there. Looking forward to that. So 
I'll be prepared now. Thank you for that. Buckle up, harness up. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'll do that. Bring my helmet and driving gloves. Yeah. And I've heard driving in Mumbai, you're going to need that anyway. It's pretty crazy. So, uh, <laughs> all right. Preet, uh, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your life's experiences with me. This has been a great joy. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you, my friend, down the road. Thank you so much, sir. You're welcome. Hey, Mark Green here from Cars Yeah. Did you know you can now see me on the Cars Yeah TV show? It's a weekly visit to some of my past Cars Yeah podcast guests, and I take you along for the ride. You go behind the garage door and into their lives, their businesses, and you get to see what makes them successful. With tens of millions of viewers, Cars Yeah TV is making its mark. Cars Yeah TV is available on MAV TV and Lucas Oil Racing TV. You'll find MAV TV on Direct TV. Fubo TV, Fios by Verizon, or you can stream it through Lucas Oil Racing Television online. And they said I only had a face for podcasting. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!